welcome to another episode of the Africa Business of Sport podcast with myself, Adam Spiel. Although AFCON 2023 has ended and we all know that Ivory Coast made not only the country proud, but the whole of Africa proud, we are still looking at the best events and the best memories of the AFCON from an off-business point of view because Elyon, we had a series dedicated to the AFCON called the Hashtag Business of AFCON, which we did with the Football Foundation for Africa. Today, we have with us an individual who is from Africa, particularly from Ivory Coast, but has relationships with Ghana and is very much passionate about sports, football to be very exact, and was there on the ground enjoying every little bit of the competition. Our guest for today is John Boafo, a sports marketer within the African sports business field. John, welcome to the Africa Business of Sport podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Adam. Um, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. I just like to do, do, uh, I'd like to just say to the people that I'm actually from Ghana because people uh, get confused sometimes in saying that I'm from Ivory Coast, but I'm, I'm from Ghana. My wife is from Ivory Coast and I live here. I've been living here for six years, but I'm proudly Ghanaian, uh, other than when the Black Stars, you know, fail us, which is, that's <laughs> one of those things. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. But, John, first of all, before we dive into the the whole of the Afcon experience, if you were to rate on the scale of one to ten all the Afcons that you've seen in the past, yeah. So, Adam, I would give this really a ten and a half out of ten. The only reason why I didn't give it eleven is because there were some issues with the ticketing, but other than that, the experience itself was fantastic. Um, all the people that I've talked to were really. Really, really excited about the level of organization, the quality of the pitches, the quality of the stadiums, the quality also of the fans, which make uh, the competition even much better. Everyone's really excited about it. And, you know, being on the ground, seeing the people in and out of the stadiums, I could definitely give it a 10 and a half. Uh, hopefully, the next AFCON, the ticketing will be much smoother, especially on the online portals. But other than that, I mean, it was fantastic. Everything was was just top. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the the closing ceremony was something else altogether. I was really excited about it. Being there, you know, I had, uh, not even joking, I had a little bit of a tear in my eyes because the level of organization and the level of joy that brought the people who were living there and also the people who came to visit to watch the matches was, was top notch. So... I'd give it a 10 and a half out, uh, out, of, uh, out of 10. Wow, that is a very powerful rating. In fact, that is above 100%. And I'm not surprised because the, the pictures and the videos and everything talking to you during the time of the competition, I can really see that Abicos has gone above and beyond to really making this a fantastic competition and the best AFCON for all of Africa and sports fans alike. But before we touch on the AFCON, who is John Boafu? Where has your journey within sports business brought you to this point? Yeah, so that's a very good question. Um, I am a son of a of a of a diplomat or international uh, civil servant. Um, so I was born in Ghana, but I had the opportunity of living in, in various places, including Kenya, and then grew up in France, studied in the States uh, before moving back to Ghana in 2012, and then here six years ago. Um, I had the opportunity of of being an athlete myself, 
played a little bit of football, but my main sport was rowing. So I was the first Guinean uh, international rower uh, to represent uh, Ghana in 2013. Um, and my idea really was when I moved back to Ghana in 2012 was to try to make it to the Olympics in 2016. So 2016, that was my idea to to, to make it to that uh, those Olympics. Uh, and in the end, you know, I wasn't able to do it, but on on the journey and what I was able to do in between uh, opened me to the world of sports. Um, I was able to to meet people who worked in the world of sports. I was able to also volunteer for close to six years. Uh, working uh, and volunteering um, at the Ghana Triathlon Federation as the head of operation, and then also volunteering at the Accra International Marathon. And before working at a football academy in in Ghana as well for close to three years, and that's really is what uh, pushed me or opened the doors of, of sports marketing for me. Um, well, sports in general, and then uh, when I moved here, I was I was I was. How I was working at an agency as the 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 um, the head of 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 clients in a sense, um, and that also continued my my journey between um, in in the sports world as as a sports marketer, working with several brands, you know, to do some activations um, across the world with with some Premier League teams and all that kind of stuff. So that that's how I got into the sports world and. You you know as well as I do that sports really is is something that a lot of people are are really passionate about and football and in particular something that you know rouses the passions of of the masses in Africa. So it's something that I really enjoy working. It's a domain I enjoy working in, and it's something that I'm passionate about. And uh, I'm uh, trying to you know do the best I can to also leave my impact. I mean, even listening to you already, I believe. And I'm very sure that the younger people who are listening would have seen that you have de- delivered impact already because although you couldn't go pro with your ambitions, you still stuck to it. You made the necessary investments into preparing yourself for a career in sports business. And here on the Africa Business Sport Podcast, our primary aim with this sport is to prepare young people on the continent, educate them about the necessities of uh, a career in sports business and really just prepare them to take up these positions. So listening to your story and you saying that although you couldn't go pro, you still decided to stick with your passion, that is really powerful. Now straight to the, the important topic here. John, how was AFCON really in your eyes? For me, what I love, I believe my highlight of AFCON wasn't even um, Ivory Coast winning or wasn't even, you know, seeing the fans having a good time, but was the fact that an unofficial song, Coupe de Merteur, really united the whole of the country together. And that, for me, was the moment I saw the intersection between sports, between entertainment, between music on the continent and how well it can, you know, take them through. I'm sometimes within sports believe that there are superstitious moments that can help you climb up. And one cannot deny the power of that song for Iberians particularly. Yeah, certainly, and it's it's a funny thing because it it was a song that really brought everyone together. Not only the Ivorians or the people living in Ivory Coast, but really everyone who was able to to be at Afcon. And then you know we could see it go viral with other people around the world also dancing to the to this Kudumato song uh, by um, Tamsir, you know, and it also features Team Paya 
uh, Saint Milano, Ronard Barakisi, Tazboy, and PSK. It's something that has been quite crazy, you know, in the two months since the release of the video uh, on YouTube, they're at, you know, almost at 31 million views. So you can see the kind of impact that it's been able to have. But funny enough, when you're in the stadium, they were able, they showed that, uh, they played the song, sorry, uh, several times. So you'd be in the stadium over the 90 minutes or the, over the two hours that you're at the stadium because maybe you come a little bit earlier and then you leave a bit uh, later. Um, you would hear the song maybe four or five times and every single time that that song came on, came on, sorry, and you hear, you know, the beginning goes, it says like, time to see you. And then everyone just got up and started dancing. Um, and there was a whole like dance that went with it. Everyone was really excited. You could even see on the sidelines the likes of of Ade Bayor, the likes of um, of, of Drogba, which who was quite ever present, also participating, uh, and in in you know the enjoyment that this Kudmatu song came. And it it was quite funny because at the uh, at the opening ceremony, I, I was there and I realized that like. Everyone almost knew all the lyrics to the official song, uh, which features uh, Yemi Alade, um, Magic System, and uh, Mohammed uh, Ramadan. Um, other than the Arabic and English uh, lyrics, everyone seemed to know all the French lyrics, which was quite exciting. And to see how Coup de Marteau came and basically supplanted that was was quite fascinating. And you know, a lot of people talked about. The, the the closeness of culture of music uh, specifically to to football and sports and we were able to see that in uh, as a great example through this Kudumata song which um, is still stuck in my head to be honest <laughs> so it's quite funny yeah I've been you know dancing to it and even yesterday I went to my friend's place and the moment it came on you know we just enjoyed it and from us would we see that as we need that connecting dots. And one particular thing that I loved about AFCON 2023 is regardless of the competition on the pitch, all the fans from different African countries were united. There was an Ubuntu feel to this competition where although you may be, you know, enemies on the pitch because one team has to win in the end, the fans saw the value of coming together and showing to the world that African football, African sports, can really be very powerful. And you mentioned the likes of Dide Drogba, the likes of Emmanuel Adebayo. What can we say has AFCON 2023 done for this generation and the incoming generation when it comes to representation? Because one thing you'd always want is to be able to see the people who are doing it and the people who have done it before. And we haven't really you know, noticed that and connected all the dots for a very long time. I was thinking maybe one of the Egyptian legends in Afcon, like Abu Trika or Mohamed Dizan, will be available and you know at the competition and supporting the team. But seeing Drogba being there with the fans, showing all the emotion, how does that affect representation moving forward? Yeah. So uh, when you're in the stadium, you could see that. Certain players, for example, that were announced from the national teams, um, got you know quite a bit of, of acclamation. But when people saw uh, Drogba come out, uh, and when he was on the screen, you could just hear an enormous roar because uh, 
the impact that Drogba has had as a player, as a um, as a as a a person who has been able to to affect the country in, in ways which have been tremendous on and off the pitch, with his call for peace that he made, which really helped the country uh, um, to to get back together after the conflict. Uh, that started in, in in the early 2010s and, and, and 2011. Uh, you can see how people have a massive love for him. Um, and, you know, he tried to be the president of, of the Football Federation, and that, that didn't work out for him. But you can still see that uh, for most people, they have a massive love for him. I think that uh, CAF had tried to get together uh, former legends, former players, to be able to to, to bring them to the Afcon to help uh, and and to be able to you know incense the fans as well and and get them excited about the competition. Um, it is it is the case that some of the the favorites went out earlier than than we would have thought. So if you look at the likes of of a Senegal uh, that had El Hadji Jufu that was around, uh, if the Senegalese team had made it to the final, um, maybe it would have been a, a different story altogether where, you know, Al Hajjouf was basically there all around. Um, I think, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I saw him at the final or he was around at the final as well. So, um, but, you know, it's different if your team is playing and he's one of the legends as well. And then I was also in the, in, at the draw on in October uh, of last year and they also did well, um, Kev, to, to bring some of the former players as well. So um, I, I I met with um, with uh, s- some of the Nigerian players as well. Um, and, uh, you know, specifically Pastor Tarabu West, because he's a pastor now, um, and, and some of the other legendary players as well. And Kev has done well in, in bringing them together and also, you know, giving them a platform. Towards the end of this current AFCON, they did also bring together uh, the, the captains of of teams that had won. So um, uh, the likes of uh, Abedi Pele were around and they did kind of like a, a, a forum or round table. Uh, but you do have a point that maybe if some of these older players or the legends had come through, um, the fans would have been excited. But, you know, People like JJ Okocha also went to go and see the national team, et cetera. But I think, you know, uh, it's something that we can improve on, but it's it's certainly something that was present uh, at this current outcome or this past outcome. I think for me, apart from the issues with ticketing, one particular thing I saw which I wasn't really impressed was the lack of diverse content creation during the games, during fan zone moment and literally the whole AFCON I saw a post on LinkedIn and I'm sure you even came across it where a connection was complaining that a lot of the big brands especially those within the diaspora didn't have young people young content creators whether it's sports or any other um, category especially entertainment on the ground delivering content in let's say English and French and Swahili in Zulu in Portuguese and Spanish and really just encapsulating all fans around the world. We saw that in 2022, the Supreme Committee for Delivering Legacy in Qatar, in conjunction with FIFA, had an initiative where I think five or six 
content creators across the world were invited, had the opportunity to um, get to watch all 64 games and create content which was being delivered to their audience, really increasing the ability to watch this tournament. How can we take the lessons learned from the lack of this and make sure that for the next AFCON, we are seeing young people from so many backgrounds with so many expertise in different languages present in the country, really creating content. Because the truth of the matter is the strength of any event, whether it's in sports, it's in entertainment, is the content that is created on it. The more we see content being tailored to people of a particular language, the better they resonate and would want to interact with it. Yeah, certainly. I think it's something that is a, is something that can be improved on. Um, I think that being in a Francophone country, most of the content that was created was really um, somewhat uh, biased, for lack of a better words, um, towards Francophone um, content creators. So I know of at least three big uh, African um, fr Francophone content creators that were present at at this um, past AFCON and were able to to create quite a, a bit of content. Uh, there was this one guy, I think he's called Eric, um, I forget the rest of his name, um, and he's from Belgium and he was around and he, you could see him at the stadiums, actually run into him at the stadium. Uh, you could see him also in, in some of the fan villages and uh, etc. and created a lot of content around that. But I think you are right that uh, aside the CAF, um, content that they were able to to produce, which I thought was quite quite good and quite on point, uh, from the for showing the the cultural diversity from from the beginning of when all the teams came through, the way that they were dressed, etc., to you know on a daily basis, um, uh, the kind of content that they created, and they also did some wrap up videos. I think on the cat from the side of cat, they they did a fantastic job, but. You are right that um, perhaps th there's a way to to create even more content, which is really tailored to to the rest of Africa. Uh, meaning, you know, since there was a team from Tanzania getting someone maybe who's a content creator in Swahili to create some content, um, you know, uh, the, there were there were a couple Moroccan and Algerian content creators that are around, but unfortunately, because of the, the early exit, you know, that kind of died down quite quite quickly. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that needs to be looked at and that can be improved. But also, I, I would also um, commend CAF for what they were able to do and then also probably um, recommend the, the, the FAs to collaborate also with some of the content creators as well. Um, you know, if you think about it, if a, for example, a, a Ghana football association worked with some of the biggest uh, content creators that we have that are not necessarily sports journalists but pure content creators. Uh, that could have also been a, uh, something positive that could have happened also at, at the, this past. I think that's a very good suggestion and hopefully any individual within the MAs on the continent preparing for 2025 in Morocco, this can be something that you can suggest and really just help to increase the buzz about the competition. Now that the AFCON is over and people are asking the very important question, what's next? 
in your mind, how should the legacy of such a competition live on in the minds of A, Ivorians, B, Afrikaans, and three, the whole of the continent when it comes to event management? I remember when I featured on CNN International's Connecting Africa to discuss the business impact of the competition, I made mention of the fact that the key aim is for the services and the products that come out of this competition to be utilized by the people in the country. And one of the ideas that I had was, let's say there are 16 teams in the, the top league in Ivory Coast, and we know that there are about six stadia that was being used. We can find a situation where you divide the number of stadia available by the teams and then you group them so that if it's three teams that have access to this particular stadia you still have fans going into that stadia watching the games that way the stadium doesn't become you know a white elephant so that is just one aspect of legacy but how can ivory coast leverage on this that can prepare them for hosting more events to come in 2026 the Youth Olympic Games will be going to Dakar. So Africa needs to have the opportunity to host more events in sports to really make it a hotbed for sports events. Yes, certainly. Uh, I know that, uh, so for example, there were 24 training training um, facilities that were built or refurbished for, for AFCON. And so... For example, in, in Abidjan itself, there are two of them. So there's one at Lycée Classique and another one at Lycée Model. And uh, yesterday I was actually at the one at Lycée Classique and I saw it. It looks, it looks beautiful. But the good thing about that is it's within a high school, a public high school, which has you know, hundreds of students. And they already had one other pitch and that's going to be used as well. And my understanding is the teams that... Uh, and they are in the first division. Will be able to use them as well. You know, if if they need uh, another training ground to be able to you know to prepare for some of the matches that they have. And what, with regards to the the stadia, um, my understanding is that they they will be used. They will be used for the the local league that will start shortly uh, before the end of the month. They, the state the the league one, league two, and league three should should start again. Um, I know that the equivalent of the uh, FA Cup starts next week uh, with some clashes that are on, you know, all throughout next week, starting on Tuesday. Um, and those pitches will be used all throughout in the various the divisions and the stadium will also be used. So on this Friday, this upcoming Friday, uh, February 23rd, they will be... Uh, a, a Champions League match between Asek Mimosa and Simba. And the, uh, the stadium, which is called Phoenix Ufwebwani, also known as Phoenicia, and in the middle of the heart of the city of the city of Abidjan, will be used for that for that class show. Um, I think also with the national teams, the various national teams that have come through, uh, though these stadiums are going to be used. Um, so I don't, I don't think they will end up being white elephants like in some other countries, uh, that, that hosted the AFCON before they'll certainly be used and the infrastructure and the amount of money that was poured into, you know, refurbishing, wall building some of these stadiums 
and uh, the, the infrastructure around the stadium, the roads, uh, the access roads, all, all that kind of stuff will, will certainly be used. And my 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 thinking, and but I don't have any um, concrete uh, proof of that, is it might also serve up uh, as an excuse or the first step for creating, uh, for, for ensuring that Cote d'Ivoire becomes a a tourist destination similar to what uh, Brazil Rwanda has done, I think that that's something that that um, that is in the plans because now from all the way from the south in Abidjan, you can drive all the way up to Kogo. There are flights also to go there. You know the roads are good, so it helps and it lends to you know uh, better business and then also to so to, to tourism. So I think uh, the the government itself thought through all these things before pouring um, more than $1 billion as per the reports to be able to to put everything in place for, for this past outcome. I mean, John, that is really powerful. And for me, I am particularly proud of the fact that at least there are efforts being made to move away from the old way of doing things which didn't really bring growth, number one, when it comes to sports events on the continent, and number two, an Ubuntu feel to, you know, having different people a part of your competitions. John Boafo, thank you once again for coming on the Africa Business of Sport podcast to give us an experience of your eyes during the time of the AFCON 2023. Uh, we do hope that for the next AFCON, we can be on the ground creating content and really pushing the narrative that African football can be extremely interesting and a joy to watch yeah adam thanks for having me it was a real pleasure and now hopefully we'll be able to do this again sometime soon fantastic to our audience thank you for listening to yet another great episode on the africa business of sport podcast do not forget to follow subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts and on spotify as well as follow us on social media on X, it's Africa BSP. On LinkedIn, it's Africa Business of Sport Podcast. And on Instagram, it's at Africa Business of Sport. Thank you once again and goodbye for now.